We're at the SAS Championship, Prestonwood Country Club in Cary. This is, I believe, where Joe Giglio recharges his superpower. You ever seen Wally, the movie? Yes. You know, when yes. Wally has to recharge, she'll open up the little solar panels and you hear the little bong. That's you. You show up to a golf tournament, the solar panels recharge, bong, and you're ready to go. You love a golf tournament. Yep, such a great track, such a great event. They do such a great job here at Prestonwood hosting this, the SAS Championship. And you could not dial up better weather no, than this. No, no, you could not. So this is what you do. You might not be into golf like me. The SAS Championship understands that. That's why they make Friday Food Truck Friday, uh, which is brought to you by Breeze Through and Amico. Food Truck Friday, they've been every – I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's how they – Jeff Kleiber, the tournament director for the SAS Championship, always reminds me. He's like, you know who we got coming, right? We got Big Mike's Barbecue. Big – Big Mike's Barbecue, uh, if you come out, it's got it, it's like a little barn. You see it, Julio? I do. Their wings, you know how he smokes his wings? It says a lot that you went with Big Mike's before Cousins. Yes. It does say a lot. Okay. All right. So that so you're already picking up first I, thing I'm putting I down. I got you. Here's the second thing I'm putting down when it comes to Big Mike's that you got to understand. You like wings, right? Love them. So the way Big Mike's out in Cary does their wings is they'll you know, smoke, smoke their wings, but then they leave it under – the pig that they're smoking, and they let the drippings Drippage. get on top of those chicken wings, and it adds another layer of smoke that cannot be topped. So I highly recommend Big Mike's Barbecue if you come out. And, yes, Cousins Maine's Lobster is here. I think the Epinata joint is here as well. Adam Lee Decker's band will be playing too. Wait a second. That Adam Lee Wait Decker. A yes, the guy who sings the national anthem he has a at band? the Canes games. Yeah, he's a he, – I – Dennis, I am also learning something new today. I just thought that Adam Lee Decker was a dude that sang the national anthem with Canes games, and he might. He's got do a great voice. He does have a great voice, and he might just do something else on the side. I had no idea, but he has a band. He has an, he has a band, and he'll be playing tonight as well. I hope he does the national anthem before he actually does his set. It would be appropriate. Or or he plays his set, and then at around ten thirty <laughs> tonight. Go. <laughs> no, no. And then around ten thirty. He does the national anthem ahead of the Canes Sharks game. Tonight. Oh, the Brent Burns. You've return. never probably been to a uh, Jersey Shore bar where they play the national anthem to signify at the no, end of the night. I it's closing have. time. I never have. No, yeah, they, that's it's, what they do. That's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've been that's, to a, a, that's the international sign for we're leaving, we're closing. You don't have to go home, but you got to get <laughs> out of here. I've been to a bar where they've played Barney's "I Love You." You say at the, same premise at the at the yeah. end of the night to yes. uh, to make that go. It's the OG, alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. Another signal that it might be time to go is that Al Michaels is on a Thursday night football bro broadcast for Amazon, and he says, with really no prompting whatsoever, man, you got to imagine that Dan Snyder, I mean, the Washington Commanders are playing that night against the Chicago Bears, and Al Michaels on the play-by-play -play is talking about, you got to imagine that Dan Snyder, I mean, they want him to sell that team badly. You know it's bad when an NFL broadcast broadcaster openly discusses the news of the day in such a way that the NFL would be okay with. Let me ask you a question. What do you think the difference between Jerry Richardson and Daniel Snyder is? Because it did feel like to me the NFL forced Jerry Richardson to sell the Panthers. 
Do you think it was age? Age. Like Jerry Richardson at that point didn't want to fight. Age. And and knew the, well, the, two, the lottery actually, ticket that was coming his way. It's two things. Like it's, what what is Snyder's end game here? So there's two things. Age is the biggest factor. Jerry Richardson was in his eighties. The or, Panthers owner, right. Yeah. Jerry Richardson when he sold the team to David Tepper for two billion dollars plus cash. Um that was age is a factor and also never forget Jerry Ritz- Richardson was about the shield. Okay. You, you'll remember that one of the bi- you know like the easiest layup David Tepper could ever do was put the Panthers logo on the midfield. Right. Because, because Jerry he, Richardson <laughs> used to put the NFL shield there right. and the reason why is that he was forever thankful right. for a his career B, being granted the team. He obviously had to buy his way in, but he was the one who won the bidding to get a team to the Carolinas, if you will, and that shield stayed there. It was always – and you also have to remember, too, during one of the lockout negotiations, I don't have it in front of me. This is off the top of my head from that time, where Richardson was on the negotiation committee and Peyton Manning was on the other side uh, representing the players. And essentially, Jerry Richardson was just like, the league is bigger than you. All right. So I think all of that informed Jerry Richardson that when workplace misconduct entered into the equation that he basically bowed out for the good of the league because that's how Jerry operates. What about Dan Snyder gives you any indication that he is about anything other than Dan Snyder? The good of Dan Snyder. Right. I mean, he has really ruined a proud franchise. Yes. One of the jewels in the league. It, it kind of says something that Jack K- Cook – not exactly a humanitarian. No, <laughs> was no, one of the no. owners, primary owners before him, and and now we're pining for the days of the Cook family yeah. in Washington. So it's unfortunate, but yeah, as long as Al Michael, Al Michaels is also of the age too, where he's got a little crazy uncle in him at this point. A little bit, a little bit. Here's Al Michaels last night on Thursday Night Football. There he is in the middle. To avoid being voted out of the league, our Michael Smith reporting before the game. Snyder is the subject of five different investigations or inquiries for sexual harassment, a toxic work environment, financial irregularities. This has been an ongoing story with the investigations and all of that. And the owners have a meeting scheduled in New York on Tuesday. It is not currently on the agenda. Fields under pressure. Just my feeling what the league would love is for Snyder to sell the team. Not have to go to a vote, but just sell the team. Because it's become a major problem around the league, obviously. But he won't, because Dan Snyder loves being around other rich dudes. He loves Jerry Jones. But according to that Seth Wickersham report, or the Don Van Notta report on ESPN, even Jerry Jones is like, yo, you're bad for business. And that's really what it comes down to. But in a way... Dan Snyder is the owner that the NFL deserves. He's a perfect encapsulation about what the NFL is about. They don't care about the product. They don't care about the bad headlines. They want to, you know, stuff that away, and the ratings will remain good. It doesn't mean the NFL has shown you that it doesn't really matter what's going on. People are going to still watch in droves. Last night's another example, too. How many people, were you on social media at all last night while the game was going on? Uh, believe it or not, I was following the real world events in, in our uh, greater well, Raleigh area yes, last night. Yes, so. yes. And we'll get an update about what happened uh, in the shootings in Raleigh uh, a little bit later on in the program with Aaron Thomas of WRAL uh, as people have been identified. But if you were if you were following along with the NFL last night, is like people were openly admitting, why am I watching this? 
Like, there's been, what was it, like 40 quarters without a touchdown on Thursday yeah, Night Football? it's awful. It's terrible. It's a bad product, and yet people continue to watch it. Meanwhile, there's a college football game going on at the same time that was like 70 to 47 or whatever it was. Like, an actual entertaining fireworks display in college, but people continue to watch the NFL out of this weird obligation. And the NFL knows that. And if there's one big takeaway. this weird obligation. Right, right. They're, they're gambling stakes. There is that. Yeah. They're in fantasy football <laughs> as well. Fantasy's gambling. So, if there was one takeaway from the ESPN story, at least the one that I had, is that regardless of what Daniel Snyder has on other NFL owners, regardless of what, how you know, regardless of how bad he might be for the league, owners were of the opinion that as long as he could deliver a new stadium, it'd be all good. That, that Different from the one that he already moved into and purchased? Yeah, there's a big... Out in Landover? Meanwhile, the three states surrounding, the you know, three states that could be part of whatever okay. it is for, um, for, for Dan Snyder have all kind of, like, said no to him. But ultimately, that's what the NFL wants. Like, if you can, can still get us a new stadium, we're good. It's all about money. It's always about money. Um, and if, as long as you can bring it in, then the NFL is not going to care. And the Food Truck Friday has a bunch of goodies, including uh, Maine's lo- or Cousins Maine's Lobster. Uh, you got Big Mike's Barbecue as well. And then tomorrow you got the SAS Championship 5K, uh, which will have just about everybody, runners, walkers, golf fans, uh, running through a course unlike any other. It's a unique experience of running, jogging, walking along the official tournament course prior to the second round of play. Head on over to SAS Championship dot com to find out more joining us now on the Heaster automotive group hotline roddy jones acc network espn he's he'll be in town tomorrow night for the carolina and duke game over at wallace wade stadium roddy appreciate you taking some time it is a friday so when when that happens we love to talk to you on fridays fridays with roddy uh what has duke done in this quick start under mike elko that has impressed you I first off, Joe, I have to give a lot of credit to Mike Elko for for being able to to really get this team all playing together, playing fast, playing hard, um, and, and really playing free. It felt like a team that was really constricted. Um, if if we're being honest, for the majority yeah. of the David Cutcliffe era, but but certainly there towards the end, and it worked for a long time. But that change in voice uh, really, really has helped him. I think he's done a great job hiring coordinators. Rob Smith on the defensive side has done a really nice job getting that defense to play faster than they had been in the past, more confidently than they had been in the past. And then Kevin Johns, I think I would put him as the most underrated offensive coordinator in the conference right now with what he's done with that offense. I mean, think about the offensive play that they've gotten the last three years. And he has really turned them around by really capitalizing on the playmakers they have, turning Jordan Moore into a, to a, to a weapon, uh, utilizing Jalen Calhoun in a way that we haven't seen, uh, hadn't seen the last few years, you know, figuring out how to use Nikki Dalmolin and, and Eli Pankle, and then obviously Riley Leonard, letting him run and, and be himself and sort of mitigating some of the places where they're not quite as strong. So, so I've been really impressed with what they've been able to do there. I, I, I kind of said it before the season, like I felt like this was a team whose talent didn't reflect their record over the last few years. It was a more talented team that they had shown than they had shown uh, and were really hampered by turnovers and poor quarterback play. But, but now that they've figured that out and he's got an experienced staff, I've been really impressed, especially when you compare that to the three other first year head coaches who, who have felt like they've struggled to do the same thing. 
Roddy Jones, ACC Network, ESPN, joining us here on the OG. And Roddy, before we get into Carolina and the unbelievable start that Drake May has gotten off to, does this really, in your mind, come down to can Duke's offense take advantage of the opportunities that Carolina's defense will give them? It does, and particularly in the red zone, I actually feel like that's kind of where the game starts. I have zero doubts that, that both teams are going to be able to move the ball up and down the field. I mean, Carolina has allowed a ton of yardage to just about everybody they've played, but they've gotten better keeping people out of the end zone. Uh, Duke is a, is a defense that, that I think Carolina is going to have success with, and that has more to do with Carolina's offense than Duke's defense, but statistically, they're one of the worst defenses in the conference. Some of that has to do with the Kansas game, but that Kansas team, was the best offense they've faced at this point, and they were able to move the ball up and down the field uh, in a unique system, but but nonetheless. So so yeah, I I think it starts on on whether or not Duke is going to be able to, to score in the in the red zone. Uh, it's a place where Carolina has been fantastic or has been really good lately, and not fantastic. Um, but but Duke makes it tough on people. They're a great first down team. They don't allow a lot of tackles for loss. They don't allow a lot of sacks. So they do stay on schedule and they get into those third and short situations consistently. Uh, and they will be able to do that against Carolina, who allows you to throw the ball underneath and then re relies on coming up and tackling you. So so I, I don't know if they're going to be able to continually be able to score touchdowns because I don't think field goals win this thing. Um, but I do think it's going to be a fascinating game because both teams like to go for it on fourth down. And like I said, both offenses, I think will have a lot of success. I think I could speak for most people when I say that Duke's four and two start is a surprise. <laughs> Carolina's five and one start might not necessarily be a surprise, but I, I think it is in this sense. That win over Miami gives them the inside track. They're in the driver's seat, in my opinion, now in the coastal division. And after last year and the transition from Sam Howell and um, the coaching staff on the defensive side, and some of the personnel losses that they had in the NFL draft. Let's let's not forget they they lost two offensive linemen to the NFL draft. Yeah. You, you know, I, I Carolina's done a pretty good job, particularly after the way that the season started. Drake May, twenty one touchdowns, three interceptions. My gosh, he's having a season. Uh, what has impressed you about Drake May? I think just his overall. First off, the the talent because. If it were a quarterback competition, if it really was a quarterback competition in the fall and it was as close as they said it was, then Jacoby Criswell could start for most teams in this conference because Drake May has been absolutely incredible. So the talent has really impressed me. The poise, the daringness, um, the, the athleticism, all of it has been impressive. And then the ability to consistently sustain uh, the level of success that he's had. Uh, second half, well, really the last or the first half and second half of Miami excluded – He's really played mistake-free football for the most part, and I and I think it's it's been really impressive for a young player. It'll be interesting to see how he rebounds there. Um, but you mentioned the Sam Howell thing, and I I think you have to 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 give a lot of credit to Mac Brown and a lot of credit to the build here. Like great programs when they're being built are able to to take that next step, especially at the most important positions. Clemson did it with Taj Boyd. When he left, we were all wondering, what is Clemson going to do? What's going to happen with this Clemson offense? And they've got this guy named Deshaun Watson who who shows up and is a freshman. And, and then by his sophomore year, he's one of the best players in the country. And then obviously there's the Kelly Bryant, um, you know, transition after after Deshaun. But I think I think Carolina's in that Taj Boyd to Deshaun Watson phase right now, going from Sam Howell to Drake May a guy that has the ability to be an NFL quarterback, a high draft pick. Um, he's just been incredibly 
impressive physically and also from a maturity standpoint managing this offense. I'm trying to think back to kickoff. You were right last year when you talked me out of the Tar Heels. Did you stick with Pitt this year, or which way did I you did start stick the with, with Pitt? Okay, I did. Stick I mean, with I still Pitt. have a shot. Yeah. Now. Let's not get yeah, crazy they here. Do. I think. And and look, Carolina's in a situation, and I'm not saying they're. I think Carolina's the favorite right now. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the the coastal, the the margin of of difference between these two teams isn't huge. I think Carolina's sort of extending it as they get better on defense, but the rest of them, it's it, until you get to the bottom, isn't isn't huge. Uh, and, and Carolina has to play Wake and NC State from yeah. the Atlantic. You look at Clemson. I mean, you look at, at Pitt. They play Syracuse and they play Louisville from the other side. So they've got the easier road. And then Miami plays Clemson down the line. Um, and, and Florida State, obviously. Georgia Tech plays Florida State, if you consider Georgia Tech a contender in this, which, by the record, I'm going to throw them in there. Um, but but it's it's a tough road for in, for, for UNC down the stretch. Uh, but I do think they are they, they should be the, uh, the favorite right now. Roddy Jones, ACC Network, ESPN, taking some time for us on this Friday to join us right here on the OG. And – all right, let's go to the other side real quick. We talked a little bit. You talked a little bit about Clemson and, and what they've been able to do and transition as a program. NC State loses Devin Leary in the Florida State win, second half, fourth quarter. They win without him. What do you think of the Wolfpack's chances this week on the road against a top twenty-five opponent uh, without Devin Leary? Uh, I think they're very good. Um, I, 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 uh, th I, this is going to sound like I'm, I'm, you know, taking away from what Syracuse has done this season early on in this season. And I'm not, you can't take away wins. You certainly, I, and I certainly don't want to, but when you look at how this team's played, I mean, Purdue had to implode at the end of that game in order for them to win the Purdue game. And Virginia had a real shot and Virginia's in contention for being the worst team in the league right now. So, so Syracuse defensively has been very good and they've been very consistent all season offensively as the level of play has improved the best two defense that they've faced Purdue and Virginia they really struggled to run the ball and they've got Sean Tucker um, they have they have struggled to get consistent offense going um, because of the the lack of of weapons proven weapons on the outside I think Aronde Gadsden's been fantastic Garrett Trader's been much improved but as the level of competition has ratcheted up uh, they've struggled offensively and I think that will not only continue I think it'll be exacerbated this week NC State's defensive line has played their tails off uh, the entire season, but certainly in the last few weeks when you when you look at what they did against Clemson um, a few weeks ago and then when you look at what they did against Florida State, I, I thought that that group was a difference-making group. The linebackers are fantastic. The secondary has been playing pretty well. Uh, so I think Syracuse is going to have a tough time. And, and, and if you get into a game where it's about field position, defense, field position, and then trying to figure something out in special teams. I trust NC State a lot more, and I trust, you know, Chris Dunn's going to have like four field goals in this game, and it's probably going to be a 12-3 game, yeah. and NC State's going to win. And, and, and it's going to feel like it was a much bigger margin of victory, but, but as much as NC State, I think, will probably struggle offensively, I think they'll be able to figure out something um, something more than what, in, what, uh, what Syracuse is going to be able to figure out against that excellent defense, uh, which, by the way, this is my public statement that Drake Thomas should be in the running, if not first in, in line for defensive player of the year right now. I okay. tried to get him in that conversation last year. He's playing better than he did at the end of last year. The dude's been incredible. He's got my defensive player of the year vote right now. Love it. Roddy Jones will be in the building Saturday night in Durham, North Carolina against Duke. Hey, I'll be there too. I'll see you. Oh, let's day. go. I'll see you there.
looking forward to it. Roddy, always appreciate your time and see you Saturday night in Durham. Of course, Joe. Always good to catch up. COG, alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Ovias. Big thanks to Roddy Jones for hanging out with us. Who you got in that game, by the way? I like the Tar Heels. Yeah, I like the Tar Heels, too. I do think Duke will fight, mm -hmm. but, but I like the Tar Heels. I think there's a little bit of attrition going on with the Blue Devils. And offensively, I think Carolina will get back to being too much for you. Let's answer some Hey Joe questions. Joe cracked the door. All right, first one comes from Colby. Hey, Joe, serious question. I may be delusional, but why is everything? Why is everyone thinking Tepper's presser was a dumpster fire? He humbled himself and admitted he's learning and is using his connections to learn the process. He did ignore the Panthers' division titles and Super, Run, Super Bowl. Other, other than that, uh, yeah, other than, oh, we don't have a winning culture. And, uh, other than, oh, we didn't have music in Charlotte before I got here. I said, look, I said this on Wednesday, Julio. David Tepper suffers from super rich guy brain rot, uh, which, you know, nothing existed before I brought my money and my wisdom to you. He did in David Tepper's, in fairness to David Tepper, we talked about this on Monday when we aired some of the, pro, uh, some of the press conference when they fired Matt Rule. He did say that, look, this is the first time I've been an owner of an NFL team and there's a learning process for me. I wanted more of that, not just one instance where he said it, more of that and less of the weird, like, I don't even – was it defiant? How would you describe what we got from Tepper? Uh, he, he was curt. He, he lacked any kind of accountability. He lacked any kind of poise. Yeah. Uh, there was nothing about it that was redeemable. Uh, so I, I'm not really sure what our friend was was watching. Yeah. But you know, different strokes for different folks. I'll say this, you know, in a, in the span of a week, there you have David Tepper coming out and have, has this disastrous meeting with the media. Fine. And you, I often say to you, and you've been in the room where people, let's use the ACC commissioner as sure, an example. Sure. Where we try to tell people, the reason you should talk to us is because we will ask you hard questions. Mm -hmm. But we're also going to be fair to you and give you a chance to answer some of the questions that maybe people are tweeting about you or maybe people aren't giving you the honest opportunity to, to answer and expand on. Yeah. Compare David Tepper's press conference to Tom Dundon's 15 minutes with us Wednesday out of PNC Arena. Mm -hmm. Which owner do you think came off like a million times better than oh, the Dundon. other? Dundon. Because Dundon, Dundon understands that better than most. Uh, he's very confident in what he's doing, like a lot of other super rich people, but he doesn't mind telling you when you're wrong about something or being a little bit playful when something might be like, I can't tell you everything. Dundon's really, really good at the I can't tell you everything part. But once the microphone is off and you start talking to Dundon, you ask him a question, he'll give you an honest yep. answer every single time. And yes. And there's something to be said for that. There is. A and little you know, political guile goes a long way. Yeah, and I don't oh, – and this is to say I don't always agree with what Dundon does. Uh, I'm not saying that all you got to do is talk to me and Jillio and charm our pants off and suddenly we're singing a different tune. No, what I'm getting at is if you're going to make the time and answer the questions honestly, then we're good and we can disagree. Because I know, and Dundon said it to me, I know he said it to you. He's like, I didn't like that you said this one particular thing. Okay, but we'll keep talking. Cool. Can't say that for everybody we've talked to. No. Next up. All right, this one comes from Nick. Hey, Joe, is it true Ovius took the day off because he ate $28 worth of Taco Bell? Uh, no, that is not why I was on PTO yesterday. I was on PTO yesterday because uh, 
my younger son uh, had uh, a bandathon that I was checking out in the afternoon. So obviously I can't be at two places at once. So I uh, took the day off. Um, although I did in running some errands, I had a, I hit I hit Costco yesterday morning, running some errands, and I was inspired by the the financial analyst who said, you know, I want. He was making a point about inflation, which I get. Yeah, everything's I mean, expensive. Everything's expensive. I mean, there's plenty of ways to make points about inflation, but he chose the wrong thing to make a point with. And he talked about how he had a $28 Taco Bell lunch, buddy. I know what 28 bucks a Taco Bell looks like because I've drunk ordered. $30 worth of Taco Bell in my time, okay? You can't eat all that in one lunch sitting. So I thought, I mean, I can get more food at cookout, right? For sure. So uh, showed up real quick. Uh, Bree and I went to the cookout on Capitol Boulevard, brought back four trays. Before taxes, it was $29. And, man. Money well spent. Money well spent, right? You got that cheer wine float? I did. Did you nap before the show after the cheer wine float? I did not. I man, very busy impressive. day yesterday. When you were leaving me to my own devices. Now, could I eat $28 worth of Taco Bell? No. Yes. No. I can't. No. Can I eat $29 worth of cookout like no. I put on the display yesterday? No. 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 No, I cannot. You can't eat $28 worth of Taco Bell. Oh, I can't. No. I have. No. Next up. Yeah. All right, this leads into the next question from Juan. All that food from cookout yesterday with the NC State Fair is right there? What gives? Buddy, what am I getting for twenty nine dollars <laughs> at the fair? When I we went to cookout and I brought back well, we had a burger, two dogs, a corn dog, like three quesadillas, fries, onion rings, a shake, it was cheer wine nuggets, float, hush nuggets puppies. were involved, hush puppies, puppies were involved. Like, yeah, we had everything, the full spread oh, the Cajun wrap, which I snagged on my way out. So I got all that for twenty nine dollars before tax. What am I getting for twenty eight bucks at the fair? No, there, there's not a better deal than cookout. No, I do love the fair. I we, love the we've fair too. We talked about other certain specialty items that you enjoy at the fair, but no, it's it's not the most cost effective no. uh, outing for a family for sure. A candied apple is going to cost you like what twelve bucks? Uh, you can probably get one for six. Okay, okay. Showing your showing your knowledge there. Now I know uh, the chef delights. They're the ones that had the Cuban spring rolls, but they also had the chickenator. Okay. Which is uh, a fried chicken breast that has like a chipotle honey with it, but it's sandwiched between a cinnamon bun. Ooh, it's pretty good. They're doing this is at the fair. This is at the fair. For twenty-two bucks, you'll get the roll and the chickenator. Mm. It's like the something something challenge. Something ridiculous. Hey, you, you need to roll deep. Next, you up. better hit one of your parlays. I got proposition for you. All right, this one comes from Steve. Hey, Joe, as a fan. And as a season ticket holder, I feel Keats should be embarrassed at the non-conference schedule, all while telling us to be patient. You talked to Kevin Keats, NC State basketball coach, yesterday. I did. We didn't talk about the non-conference schedule. It's not great. No. Uh, hanging his hat on the trip to Atlantis. Okay. The games that they'll get there and the opponents that they'll play there. I mean, they open with Kansas. Yeah. So, I mean, it feels like not bad. I think it's a home thing. Oh, who they're playing at home at is home. less than attractive. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to see anybody. I mean, let's be real. I, we talked about this last season uh, with the decision to bring Kevin Keats back. PNC Arena is going to be empty uh, for a lot of – Unless they beat Kansas right there in the uh, – I don't know, man. I don't know. They beat Kansas. That's cool. But when you look at the schedule before ACC play, they might not be showing up is my point. People might have better things to do. <coughs> Next up. How you doing? All right, final one here comes from Graham. Hey, Joe, will UNC Duke football game have a basketball score? <laughs> Maybe. 
for sure. I feel like any Carolina game is going to be. It'll be like a Virginia basketball score. Does that count? Or does it have to be an actual Carolina Duke basketball score? Because, no, it's not going to be in the 80s. I mean, if it was Virginia playing. Right. Yeah. Totally get what you're saying on that one. Um, I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with 52 to 35. Okay. You got the heels covering. Yeah. All right. That's what I got. That's what I got on that one. COG. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Ovias. If you missed anything from today's show, you can check it out on the best of the OG podcast. Also check out Pack Therapy. Who's on Pack Therapy this week? The guest you've been waiting for, Emeka Amezi, the most popular man in Raleigh right now. I know, right? He's not I mean, there. Phew. Imagine if they had him. I know. <laughs> not possible. He used his yeah. COVID year last year. Jeez.